I want to share a little bit of a secret with you, and it may be something you are already aware of. It may be something that you already know, but I am, without a doubt, the hardest working dividend investor that you know of, hands down, without a doubt. And it's because of this that I am coming to you on a Friday night. Yesterday, I was out of my house from 6.45 a.m. until almost 11 p.m. at night. Work called, duty called, the bet signal. The dividend signal was up in the air trying to earn my freedom. Kind of like Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption. You know that old jam. I love that movie, dude. That movie gives me a lot of, man, a lot of motivation because it just shows that Things don't always come quick, and some things that you really, really want, you have to work towards and forward to, and it just takes time, little bit by little bit, brick by brick. I'm slowly buying my freedom brick, (laughs) thinking of bricks that he's breaking through to get back to to where you were. Yeah, I'm excited, dude. It's Friday. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a bonus here. little bit of a boner what no a little bit of a bonus i'm gonna give i hope not that's that's really weird and creepy but hey you know what maybe you turned on by the sound of my voice i can't control that i can just tell you what i'm going to talk about which is going to be dude buys i made this week a little bit of playing with fire with pepsico i got a merger announcement some dividend increases a downgrade a safety downgrade some tax loss harvesting i've done Twitter questions, and who's Trajan? Not who's Johnny, who's Trajan? But first, but first, we've got a very, very special request going out on the love line from Geraldine to Elmer. And Geraldine says, You are the best bucktooth bow that I have ever been in love with, my dear Elmer. Special song, Love Line Dedication. This is the old popular standby by Fanny Bryce called My Man. Elmer, you've got a special club-footed lady out there that loves you much. Here's My Man. I don't know how it goes. It's an old-timey song, everybody. I'm sure everybody knew that song back in the day, back in the hundred years ago, 20s, not in the 2020s, you lunatic. All right, so anyway, a couple little bit of housekeeping here. The last podcast with, I was not happy. I use Anchor, and they have their own software. You literally just hit record, but, you know, it's an extra step. I have Audacity, won't get into that, but I think this will be a little bit cleaner because when I would stop talking and then I start again, man, that would be distorted. I just didn't like it. I wasn't having it done with that so I'm still going to use Anchor because I'm lazy to distribute this thing but that was that I did on last Monday jumble soup in my mouth there I did an uh, episode of a podcast uh, with Harris Elliott called One Penny at a Time talking about dividend investing apparently I was one of the people that inspired this young man to do did you hear my zipper No, that ain't no funky beat. I ain't scratching records. That's just the zipper on my hoodie from Walmart. Ticker WMT. 
And I did do the One Penny at a Time podcast. That should be coming out this coming Thursday. And I will likely download that and put it at the end of next week's caster of the pod. And one other thing I didn't get to you guys about, I had said falsely, which is why you should take everything I say with a grain of salt. This is a little bit of entertainment, my journey, my, my thoughts and ideas shared with you, but don't, please don't take anything as gospel. I am not a certified anything. I'm certified to install dock leveler equipment and do a bunch of welding and mechanical work is what I'm good to do. I'm good to certify in that. And don't take anything I say as gospel. Like when I said that Big John Stud was in Bloodsport, oh no, no, my friends, he was not, indeed not, the wrestler Big John Stud from the old WWF was not in Bloodsport. It was Donald Gibb, who actually lives not too far from me. He's, he's also in the Chicago suburbs. He was in Bloodsport. Okay, and now I can just hear some of these lunatics that are like, you said you were going to talk about 3M, and I'm listening at 83 seconds in, and you haven't talked about 3M. Get on with it. You know, not my style, not my jam. If you don't like it, you can leave. There's plenty more people that are lined up to come outside. At least I think I don't have my glasses on, and it's dark, but I do have my contacts, and they're a little bit fuzzy from, yeah. Anyway, so here we go. Ready? Ready. Ready, set. For those of you that play Tecmo Bowl, you know what that is, an old reference to. McDonald's, ticker MCD, they boosted their dividend 10%. That was their 46th consecutive year of payout increases. They're on their way to being the dividend king. Dividend kings are when you increase your dividend for 50 straight years. What is it when you do 100 years? Well, then you're a dividend emperor. That's what I am. I'm a dividend emperor. No, I don't know. I really don't know if there's a name for that. I should get on Twitter and put that out so I can uh, lay claim to that. You're a dividend emperor. Some companies will get there soon. That was their McDonald's largest increase since 2018. Dividend yield currently at 2.50%. And another increase from a dividend king, I believe they are. No, they're not because I just read my note. A.O. Smith. Ticker AOS, they raised their dividend 7.1%, which is the extending streak of their higher payouts every year since 1993. I did some quick math. 1993 wasn't 50 years ago. How do I know this? I know this because I was born in 1978 and I'm not 50 years old. So thankfully, School District 100 in Berwyn, Illinois, did some really well educating of me because I'm able to do that kind of math on the fly. That's what you come to this channel for. What dividends did I receive though? Well, it was only a few. I received in aggregate $40.42 from Altria, ticker MO. Yeah, tobacco. Shift in business, made a bad investment. They made a big boo-boo at Jewel. Hey, we're not perfect, but okay. I think they're still going to be okay. They're just not really investing in the, growing the company like they were, and they're returning most of the cash to shareholders. And I know some people don't like the tobacco companies, but we roll right into another one from the tobacco to the wacky tobacco with IIPR, ticker IIPR, Innovative Industrial Properties, $19.80. And then Old Leg, Sexy Leg, ticker L-E-G, Leggett and Platt, 
Ooh, I mean, when you think of, you know, mattresses, car seats, recliners, cushions, inner springs. I mean, God, I, I don't know about you. I could just sit back with the lights down low, kick my feet up with a nice bottle of, you know, IPA. I won't say wine. And just listen all about inner springs that go in mattresses. Hmm. I'm going to have to do that later. I'm going to tell my wife that's what we're doing tonight. We're going to learn all about inner springs in mattresses. And then what did I do now? Okay, that's that. Now we're moving on. Come with me to the next leg of the show. Oh, by the way, Harris at the end of the, he he sang a little song for me, which is crazy. And he also talked about Mr. Poop, my cat, Louie, that I call him that. I'm the only one that calls him that. Told my wife and she said, great now the whole world your insanity spreading to the whole world and i said yes yes it is my wife all right so i did a little bit of tax loss harvesting it is harvest time figured i would get get a jump on all the people that are probably going to be doing this at year and i sold out in the taxable bridge account 10 shares all 10 shares i had of 3m Sold that at $109.02, so I got about $1,090.20. Remember, 3M is an industrial stock. A lot of litigate, big bad litigation situation facing them. Don't know where it's going to end up, what's going to happen, and that's okay. I think they're going to survive it, but it's going to be a little bit icky, a little bit yucky for years to come is 3M. So, I'm still a believer in them, but I'm I'm using this moment here to lock in some losses. And if you don't know what tax loss harvesting is, no worries. I will have a link below. Hopefully I remember to put that. Where do I put that now? Tax loss harvest link. <laughs> okay, I wrote that down. Yeah, so all in a nutshell, what it is is you realize a loss. So instead of a paper loss, meaning it's just on paper, you haven't bought or sold, you actually sell and realize that loss. And when you do it in a taxable account, if you don't buy the same exact thing you sold for 31 days, you can claim that to lower your taxable income. Or if you say you got, I don't know, make this easy. I think I, I tax loss harvested like 434 bucks. We'll call it $400. If I were to receive $400 in dividend income in a taxable account and I tax loss harvested $400, it would cancel it out. I would owe nothing. And that's something that people do. And what I'm doing, because I have a feeling a lot of people are going to tax loss harvest on 3M at the end of the year. I'm just getting the jump on it. Plus, the, the way I did it, their dividends are the third week of November usually. So by then, it's going to be 31 days and I will be able to buy back in for that next dividend. And hopefully, I can get in lower than $109 a share. Don't know. We'll see. But I wasn't done with the tax loss harvesting. And I also did that with Intel, ticker INTC. So in the taxable, I have 121 shares of Intel. Kept the 100 shares because those are... Um, what I'm what I'm hoping to sell options on as part of a wheel strategy, if they ever recover, we're going to get more into Intel. Hold on to your hats on that. But I kept the 100 shares. I sold the 21 off at $24.81, got $521 from that. So now I have cash. You're probably saying, what did you do with the cash? And if you didn't say it, well, 
I'm imagining you saying it, so it's as good as said by you to me in my mind and my ears, and I'm going to answer you, listener. Thank you for asking, what did I do with the cash? What I did with the cash is I like to put that into something in the sector because usually the sector will also rise. So I've told you the example before, if you sell Exxon, you can put, if you were to, well, nobody's tax loss harvesting that now, that's for sure. But theoretically, if you were to sell Exxon at a loss, you could put your money into Chevron for 31 days. And then on the 32nd day, you can buy more Exxon and it doesn't violate the wash rule. But usually if the one is rising, the other one's going to rise. So I kept it in the sector, kept it in-house with 3M, and I bought shares of Norfolk Southern, ticker NSC, the railroads, couple railroad companies I bought. Riding the rails, riding on the city of New Orleans. Monday, Remember that song? The, me first and the Gimme Gimme's do it, and I didn't get to see him do it live. City of New Orleans, very good song. So I did buy Norfolk Southern three shares at $213.75. And then I bought three shares of United Pacific, ticker UNP, at $188. So those equaled $1,201.25. Remember, I got $1,090.20 from 3M. So it was about $115 over. It was almost exact and I'm just going to park my money in those two rail stocks for 31 days. I may keep them. I may eventually add to them. We will see. I may just start dollar cost averaging back into 3M because I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, there, there's things that are going on with the railroads. And, you know, they move uh, move stuff. They're just part of transportation. And, you know, we'll see. But anyway, that's what I did with that. And as far as the Intel goes, I put that money, kept it in the same, you know, same sphere. I bought three shares total of Texas Instruments, ticker TXN. Two of those shares, I bought one tranche. I bought two shares in a tranche at $152.95. And then I bought one more at $151.50. But the damn thing was down to like 144 and change on... Thursday morning, yeah, after the CPI print came out and everything sold. But you know what I also did then? Oh, and la and last but not least, don't forget about BTI. Little BTI come running along. Hey, don't forget about me, sir. Please, sir, don't forget about me. I, we didn't forget about you, British Tamer British Tamerico Abakin. How is that for a scrumble scrambled brain? Yeah, I bought two shares of BTI, British American Tobacco, at $36.86, which was just below my average of 37 and change. Uh, I had eight shares. That'll make it 10 because eight plus two is 10. Hard-hitting analysis that you come to the Dapper Dividends program for is what, <laughs> is what I did. I'm just imagining somebody that's hearing this for the first time. They're probably like, what in the hell is this guy? What in the hell is the matter with this guy? I tell you, he's not Yasha Shmaria, this Dumkov. Yeah, that's what I did. Uh, BTI. I, I have this funny little thing where I like to have 10 shares in my taxable. I don't know what it is, but I like if I own something, I want to have 10 shares of it minimum if I'm going to hold it for the long haul. So that's what I did with that. 
Okay, and then I played with fire a little bit. Told you I played with some fire. I work with fire. Fire helps me make money. Uh, fire is also good financially independent, retired early. I do agree with the, the camp that wants to chop off the RE and just go with the FI because financially independent means you can do what you want, when you want, with whom you want, whenever you want on your own terms. And I don't think I'll ever stop working because what I take this podcast, I probably spent a good 15 minutes banging out some notes. Ooh. And that's technically work. Like people I work with would say like, you did what now? But honestly, I, I enjoy talking to you. I really do enjoy sharing my journey. Talking with people like Harris, I think that was so cool. He's just getting started. But man, everyone has something to teach. That's a life lesson, something that I've always tried to live by is that every single person on the planet has something to teach you, but it's up to you to find out what that thing is. So what did I do with good old PepsiCo? Good old Pep Pep. <laughs> uh, they, had, they beat earnings. Uh, they raised things by, I think, 17% was their increase. They blew away earnings expectations. They passed through inflation. Everybody's buying it. They're putting less chips in the bag. I think that's called shrinkflation. Doing what they need to do to maintain those profit margins, which is, again, why stocks are a good hedge against inflation, right? Because companies adjust their earnings, their pricing. They charge more for things. They bring in more money. They pass it to us. We see the earnings per share going up. People bid up, you know, stocks because they're making more money. So I think they're a good way to keep your money uh, insulated from inflation a little bit. Anyway, so I looked at the chart doing a little bit of technical analysis. And on the good old chart, what I saw was a lot of resistance around $170 a share. And Pepsi had jumped up quite a bit. There was a big gap up. And I was pretty confident it was going to hit resistance at 170 on uh and it started to on wednesday afternoon after i had sold this call option it was a those of you that don't understand just go with it those of you that do this will make sense to you i sold on october 14th which is today 172 dollars and 50 cent call and i received 73 dollars in premium for that and i did that after the the earnings report pop well, Thursday morning, CPI print came out. Everything tanked. It, at one point, it was 22 bucks. So I received $73 for this call option, and it was worth $22 on Thursday morning, meaning that I could have bought it back for $22 and pocketed the difference. But you know me, I'm a human being, and I get bit by the greed bug, and I wanted that extra $22. I wasn't satisfied. But then... All nuttiness broke loose, and if you were paying attention, I think it was the fifth biggest intraday rally that the market had ever. So it went from the low of the day to the high of the day. Was It was completely insane. I still didn't see a reason for it. I, I had looked, scoured the interwebs, and mostly people were just thinking it's either A, algorithmic, algorithmic, algorithmic is the word I'm trying to say. It was either algorithmic, meaning computers were doing it, triggering probably short squeeze, you know, stops and people were just buying more anyway. So 
either that or just speculation that the bottom was in and we were going to pivot. Hey, you want to know how you know where the market bottom is? Really easy. <laughs> you look backwards about six to, six to 12 months and then you look where the bottom is and you say, yep, there it is right there. That's the bottom. But when you're in it, you know, like they say when you're in the, uh, I don't know if I can cuss. It's a military term, okay, people? Grow up. When you're in the shit, you can't always see, you know, can't see right, straight. Good? Okay, good. Anyway, so <laughs> that call option, if you remember, remember I told you it was 22 bucks. Remember? I remember. And at the close of the day, it was 285 Look at how much money people can make with options in a day. So, of course, I started getting that feeling like, what did I do? I'm going to lose my, I'm going to have to pay hundreds of dollars to buy this back. Well, fast forward to Friday morning. Yeah, it went up to $310, but luckily I stuck to my guns and worst case, I would have triggered, you know, I would have sold those shares at 17250. I would have probably had to pay about $400 in um in income tax. Obviously that would have been offset by 3M, so it would have kind of been a wash, but still then I would have started selling cash secured puts. And anyway, it would have messed up my uh my average price of $150 for the 100 shares. But the market turn, which I thought it would because it went up just skyrocketed on no news on nothing and it started coming back which which I guess made me happy and then I bought the thing back at 53 bucks so all in all after Schwab's fees of 65 cents each way I made $18.70 and earlier to when I woke up this morning I was like okay I'll probably pay up to $150 if need be to buy this contract back. And yeah, as it were, if I would have just been psychic and knew what was going to happen, I would have just let it ride and uh, I would have made the whole 73 bucks. So that's that little thing, man, playing with fire, selling options. You got to know what you're doing. Even if you know what you're doing, there's still risk. There's always, always risk. And you just have to be okay with that risk when, um, when you start it. So here we go, baby. Let me get a sip of the old, what are we drinking here? This is Aha, the sparkling water. Aha. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Trademark that. I just made that song up. Sorry if that little pop blew out your ears. My ear holes are bleeding, Papa. Don't listen to that guy's podcast anymore. <laughs> okay. I, you know, back to, I don't, why the market was up was ridiculous. I mean, I knew we were going to have inflation. Why? Because more money means inflation. I mean, the federal, what, the Fed's printed $9 trillion. The government has taken on an additional $21 of debt in the last 15 years. I read that the government is up to $31 trillion worth of debt. So some of those things and just, oh, I don't know, giving everybody money that you just printed to go out and spend probably is going to cause inflation. Again, you know, public school education, but hey, here we go. Uh, oh, also I read this fascinating current debt here in the United States, current debt to GDP is 120%. That's not good that the debt is outpacing what the country produces every year in gross domestic product. 
you know, the way I look at that is if my debt was greater than what I bring in every year, not good. Last time it was that high was the end of World War II. And, you know, it corrected. The economy got going. They actually started paying down debt. But, you know, it's it's going to be a mess here. It's going to be a mess. And again, I think stocks are just a great inflation protection because of what I said, man. They just, you know, they're volatile in the short term, but you you have less risk the longer you go out. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I wrote down something here. Yeah, from from Jack Bogle, I believe it was, Vanguard founder, said four things in the market are return, risk, cost, and time. So what kind of return are you going to get? What kind of risk are you taking on? What is the cost? Like trading fees or what's the cost to you? The time opportunity of money, you know? And then time. Like the, the more time that you have, the less risky things become. Unless you invest in WorldCom uh, and Ronner Lehman Brothers, I guess. All right, moving it along. Moving along, singing a song, talking about Kroger, 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 Crozier. We call it Kroger here. Ah, Kroger ticker KR merging with the old ACI Albertsons, which just IPO'd a few years ago, but they are a hundred year old company. They're an old company. Here's the skinny on it. Kroger is going to be paying $34.10 per share as early as 2024, what some reports I've seen have said. Now, it's going to be potentially, yeah, people are saying monopoly, but I don't know. You know who's the number one grocer? You wouldn't believe it. It's Walmart. I mean, you would because they sell grocery and there's a Walmart everywhere. There's all kinds of Walmartians around Walmart. So Walmart's one, Kroger's two, Costco is three, and Albertsons is four. So you got the second and fourth biggest grocery retailers. I don't think you retail grocery, do you? You sell grocery. Who To who? To everybody. That's why it's a great business. Thin margin business, but hey, people don't need that boob job or they don't need the whitening teeth or, you know, the new Tesla, but... <laughs> Maybe you don't even need to bathe or shower. Might smell a little awful and keep people away from you. Human repellent, we call it back here. <laughs> but you, you need food, you know. You need food just like you need air. And why I tell you, if you're ever in a troubled situation and you need to get out of it, hopefully I'll never have to use this. And if somebody's on PCP and they're about 280 pounds and out of their mind and coming for you, well, if you can't have anywhere to go, punch him in the throat. Punch him right in the throat because as I was instructed by a dude that did fight in my Navy days, he said, I don't care what someone's on or how big they are. If they can't breathe, well, <laughs> they're not going to re really be doing much of anything. So, yeah, that's that. And that's why you come to this program. You get self-defense tips, apparently. Uh, there's also going to be a spin-off component of 100 to 300 stores, and that's going to lower it a little bit. So I, they, it looks like they're kind of whittling down how big this looks like it's going to be, because I think it was like a $24 billion transaction or potential merger. Huge. And obviously it's going to have the ire of some of the, the you know regulators and people 
Mount up people that don't want to uh, in the government that are going to think it's a monopoly. So they're spinning off a 100 to 300 store component, which that price is going to be determined later. $4.7 billion of the cash component will be reduced because that's what ACI has in debt that's also being acquired. <clears throat> and then here's the kicker. Here's the crown jewel for a lot of dividend investors. ACI, if you're an Albertsons investor, is going to be spitting out a $6.85 special dividend that's going to be payable on November 7th to those on record at the close of business on October 24th. So make sure you hold ACI, ACI, make sure you hold ACI by 10, 20, for, you know, it's funny when I was talking to Harris, he's like, Hey man, you really are kind of like you in your podcast. And I was like, well, yeah, but like I've told you guys, it's me, but turned up to 11, you know, maybe most of the time I'm at a cool four or five, but for this, you got to make this stuff entertaining, man. Cause otherwise it's just bore people to tears. So I turned myself up to 11 and talk dividends. That's this show in a nutshell. $6.85 dividend. You got to own ACI by October 23rd to qualify. But here's the kicker when you get paid on November 7th. Just like any dividend, if you didn't know, the share price drops by the amount of the dividend or the special dividend on the X date. So October 24th, don't be surprised, but Albertsons is going to at least open up down $6.85 because they got to pay that dividend out. So that's going to reduce that $34.10 share, but not buyback. Brain's hurting. Ah, ah. $34.10 is what Kroger is offering. They're going to pay. So that right there is going to drop it to $27.25. That's going to, again, shaving off more of the market cap, making the deal a little less big. And that should drop ACI by about $4 billion. So I don't know. Maybe they, they want to make it look less monopolistic, I guess. every Hey, every billion dollars counts, I guess. So if ACI were to cancel this, though, they have to be paying a fine of $318 million. But if Kroger cancels, $600 million. You know, kind of chump change when you're talking about a $24 billion merger agreement. I found it interesting that Cerberus Capital Management has almost a 29% stake that's pre-IPO and institutional investors are about 69%. I don't know, there may be some of that with the special dividend tying in. There's so much inner workings to this that we may never know about, but just know that the special dividend is there and, you know, we'll see. Interesting business. I like Albertsons here in Chicago area. They own Jewel Osco, but Kroger owns Mariano's. So looks like we could have a little bit of some intermingling there. Sexy, sexy jam. And I do own Albertsons in the self-directed IRA. And that special dividend likely will be ordinary income. So, you know, if you got a huge position, probably going to have to pay taxes on it. Thankfully, I do own it in a tax-advantaged account. All right. Let me get a sip of the agua. You talk for this whole time. I want to see you do it, buddy. 
All right. Here we are moving on to the to the closer closing before the questions. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking as I was reading this downgrade that you know, it reminded me of life because we need to constantly upgrade our skills and abilities or you'll fall behind. Like constantly upgrading your skills should be the bare minimum as you go throughout life. Because they wear out, they become outdated, they need to be upgraded or replaced. And if you don't, you'll fall behind. If you sit on your laurels, as they say, you'll fall behind. Intel, I think, is pretty much trying to do the same thing. Which we'll see if it comes through fruition. I think about 2024 sometime. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a minute. Simply safe dividends downgraded Intel from 80 to 70. Now that's still safe on their rating scale, but it's just at the lower end of the safe spectrum. The PC market has declined 20%, which is the biggest in two decades. That sucks for Intel because half of their sales are from products that are used in computers. AMD is being affected by it. NVIDIA, Taiwan Semi, all the chip chip manufacturers have, are being affected. Texas Instruments even, which I love. AMD cut their guidance. I think a lot of these chip companies are going to be doing that. And, you know, it just sucks for Intel because of this PC slowdown is right during their heavy cash spending to upgrade their skills. I mean, it'd be, you know, it'd be like getting a pay cut at work while you're just going heavy into buying all kinds of Udemy courses and, I don't know, taking all these things to upgrade your skills. But Intel, I mean, they're sp- spending on expanding production, building new fabs, uh, which is their chip factories, upgrading existing manufacturing technology in their plants, outfitting, retrofitting, upfitting, downfitting, we're fitting. We be fitting to do this. Do you say fitting? I was in the Navy with a few dudes and uh, some of the, I think it was from some of the black dudes that were from down south. Hey, I'll be fitting to do this. I'd be like, you what? You having a fit? Like you need to put a wallet in your mouth? What do you mean you're having a fit? Fitting. But anyway, back to Intel. They're burning through cash. Lots of cash. About $8 billion of cash this year, which is making it their first free cash flow deficit in at least 20 years, which is currently negative 39 cents per share free cash flow. Yikes. That's because of all the spending they're doing. But hey, hopefully it is going to be for the better. But I think it is going to put a strain on the dividend payment, which is currently at about $6 billion a year. That dividend hasn't been growing that fast. It's been okay. The last increase was January of 22. It was 5%. Their five-year compound annual growth rate, or CAGR, is 6%. And a very nice 20-year CAGR of 15%. And Intel's had 23 years of uninterrupted dividends. And they are currently on a seven-year dividend growth streak. So, They want to keep it going, and I think they're going to keep giving token increases just to keep the streak going while they're doing this whole rebirth, regenesis, reimagining of the company led by Pat Gelsinger, which is great because Pat Gelsinger, right, he was the chief technical officer back in the day, but Bob Swan, who he took over for, was the chief financial officer at one point. So it's kind of cool to see that Intel really fell behind under the the watchful eye, I think like Sauron 
in uh, Lord of the Rings under the watchful eye of Bob Soron Swan that they fell behind, but he was a chief financial officer. So now we got like the, you know, kind of like the, the, the troop, like the foot soldier. Well, he's never a foot soldier. You can't say he wasn't the dude in the fab, like stamping out plants going home to his trailer. Nothing wrong with trailers. If you live in it, by the way, seeing some very, very nice ones. And yeah, just having that chief technical officer, I think is just great. So Intel's dividend yield currently is 5.63%, which is 124% above their five-year average. So sky-high dividend yield for this company. I mean, dude, they're receiving funding from the government. Uh, they got $15 billion, or it's split. I didn't write it down. Come on. They have a partnership with Brookfield. Um, they're selling Mobileye. That is going to be an IPO, kind of like how Volkswagen punched out the IPO'd Porsche and they retain a majority stake. Well, Intel's doing that with Mobileye and Mobileye is the Advanced Driver Assistance Systems ADAS uh, Autonomous Driving Technologies Company, which Intel, check it out, bought them for $15 billion in 2017. And they're currently valuing the IPO at about $30 billion. So they've pretty much doubled their money. They're keeping that majority stake. And if they need cash, well, they'll be able to peel off uh, little chunks of their stake in Mobileye to raise money as, as they need it, if they need cash. So that's kind of good. But, you know, this is is definitely going to be a story for the next few years. It's it's become a story stock because now they officially have negative free cash flow. And, you know, it could be a value trap. That high yield, man, I'm telling you, when you see yields get high, unless it's unless it's a tobacco company, when you see those yields get high, baby, you, you better have your uh, radar up because it means something is likely wrong or going on with that stock. So always, always be aware and from my experience to you, I've found the higher the risk, damn it, <laughs> the higher the yield, the higher the risk. And that even stands true for the tobacco companies. All right, I want to get to some questions here before we end up with the, the last part of it. So I'll, I'll go through these quick. All right, here we go. CJ Hexy said, do you look at value plays as well as dividend plays? Well, a lot of times value is dividend and it's not growth. So I would kind of lump those into, I guess, one and the same, but obviously not all value is going to pay a dividend, but most times they do. So I guess to answer your question, yes, yes, I do. I don't know if you meant growth. Uh, if you did mean growth, then yeah, sometimes I do look at growth as well, but I just love that cash flow coming in from the dividends. My buddy, Jerfer. Oh, he just said, not a question, but maybe your thoughts on the mindset that we need to have in times like this. Yeah, man, try and get your emotions in check. I've had to do it. I mean, it sucks. So this is my little trick. <laughs> when I see my portfolio down, like I looked at the bridge on Thursday morning. Dude, I mean, between the last few Wednesday and Thursday, it was down, I don't know. 2500 bucks or something, you know, I'm pushing $3,000. 
that sucks. It sucks, but you know what? I look then at the patty, at the projected annual dividend income. That didn't go down. That's actually going up because I get raises from companies like McDonald's. And the second component to that is brain fart, brain fart. You can do it. You can do it, brain. Squeeze hard. You can do it. Um, Oh, the businesses. See, it worked. I focus on the businesses. I start looking at them and be like, okay, I got McDonald's in here, PepsiCo, Johnson and Johnson, uh, AbbVie, um, God, Procter and Gamble. Do you know what I mean? Looking at all the businesses, and then I realize that the bulk of these companies are just they're good businesses. So, yeah, man, you and I'm sure you know this, but this is for everybody. I focus on the businesses that I own. And then on the dividend income, which that is not going down, but it is going up. A couple more questions. Ay, ay, ay. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Depressivehacks.eth says, with stock prices falling, where is your benchmark yield percent that starts to raise longevity concerns about the dividend? Uh, that one is interesting. Well, I'm not worried because, like, again, I'm focused on the businesses. And as far as a benchmark yield percent that starts to raise longevity concerns, it's different for every company if they can pay it or not. I mean, the company, the business is not always the stock price. Do you know what I mean? So we have to look at the business once again. If the business is chugging along, like PepsiCo, I don't know if if people get a, a you know, wild hair and PepsiCo sells off 20%. Well, okay, did the business do worse? So if the business didn't do worse, then they're going to be able to maintain that dividend. So I don't even care if Pepsi's at an 8% yield. If the market's being irrational and there's a sell-off happening, I think it's a great buying opportunity. So like Ray Dalio said, man, you buy a company, you buy a business, and if the share price drops and the story remains the same, meaning why ever you bought them, you buy more. That's simple. And then da, 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 I answered that. Let's see. This guy asked twice. Wendy says, what position are you most excited to add to and at what price? That would be currently Texas Instruments below 150 Love to see that down even below 140. And then second one on that is Target below 140. I added, when we were in Missouri, I bought some shares at 139 bucks, and I'd love to buy there again. So I guess we'll see. Um, uh, somebody said, can I look at SLG on Simply Safe Dividends? Don't have time for that. Stop by, oh, Gary, G-Man. Hey, stop by the live stream and we'll, uh, on Sunday, we'll look that up. And that's it. So somebody, Rafael Vargas, said, what podcast? It was his question. Like, my podcast. What else? All right, those were the questions. And now, one us, right? One more. I don't know, Siv. Uh, a little bit more agua. Here we go. Now, this is the ending part. This is the end of the show. This is the long show. Oh, my God. What are we at here? Ooh, 43 minutes. This is the show that never ends. It just goes on and on, my friends. 
That's a new song, a new spin on an old, not classic. I was talking to my kids. We were talking a little bit, and it's funny that, you know, my daughters are teenagers, and they're worried about everything being embarrassing, or it's embarrassing, it's embarrassing. Nobody ever told me, don't worry about it. You know why? Because you're going to be forgotten. And it sounds weird to say that, but I'm going to give you a name. Trajan. Ring a bell? You know who Trajan is? Well, for the couple history nerds out there that just are screaming, yes, I know. Most people don't because I didn't, and I am most people, and I didn't know who Trajan was. So it's a good thing if you don't know who Trajan is because at one point he was the most powerful person in the world, specifically 98 to 117 A.D., which in the span of the universe isn't that long ago. So Trajan was the first Roman emperor born outside of Italy, which is modern-day Spain. He enlarged the Roman Empire by conquering Dacia, which is modern-day Romania. And they say it was not easily marched over. And guess what? Good old Trajan is still with us today, just in a different form. So upon his death, his ashes were put in an urn, in his column, the Trajan column that still stands in the center of Rome today. So yeah, he's just with us in a different form. And I guess people in Rome would know who Trajan was, but most people don't remember Trajan. And that was my point to them is that, dude, if the world has largely forgotten Trajan, then we're going to be forgotten too. And it sucks to say that because we all want to think we're going to be remembered forever and you know, all that stuff, but it doesn't matter if you think something is foolish or embarrassing or, you know, if you love it, if you love something, but you wonder what people are going to think, as long as you're not hurting people or taking their stuff without their permission, because I know there's some, you know, people that are into BDSM that pay money to be hurt. So that's cool. Hey, that's, that's their prerogative, man. Consenting adults. I'm all for it. I'm all for it, baby. But, you know, in the history of the universe, I'd say there's a 99.9999999999% chance that you're going to be forgotten. Nobody's going to remember you, and it's going to be as if you never even existed. So it's to not sound macabre or down, but I think it's motivating to me because it means that all these moments do matter. They have immense importance to you right here right now and you should be doing what makes you happy while you do have this time right here right now and you know just I heard a great thing once from people that were uh, you know it's kind of a a, a look forward a, 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 not example um, exercise Imagine yourself 85, 90 years old, you're on your deathbed, <laughs> family's around you, and, you know, people asking you, like, your great-great-grandson says, you know, Grandpa Pappy Mac Mac, what do you wish you did? What do you regret not doing? You know, well, well, there was this one point back in 2025 when I could have started my own business, or there was an opportunity, but I was... I was worried to, to leave my job or do you know what I'm saying? Whatever it is, whatever it is that hopefully won't get you killed or the, the risk isn't too bad. 
I mean, you can always go back to what you're doing now. That's what I look at it as. So if you were to start your own business or something and it fails, well, chances are you can go back to where you are right now. And a lot of people are afraid to, to do that, take that risk. You know, we're comfortable. We don't want to leave the comfort zone. But that's where growth happens, outside the comfort zone. I know. I'm living proof of that. I've done plenty of things that made me uncomfortable. So, yeah, that's a fun thing to think of. If, you know, if you're presented with an opportunity and you don't know what to do and you don't know if you should take this opportunity or take that trip or tell that chick you like her, you dig her, or the guy or whoever, whatever it is, if if you imagine yourself being that 85-year-old, wrinkly old person in a bed, you know, look back and say, will I have regretted not doing this, trying this, asking this, taking this opportunity, trip, whatever it is, starting this business, doing this thing? And if the answer is yes, you, th- you might regret not doing it because you don't know what would have happened, then do it. Yeah, that's my, my opinion. Not advice, I guess. It's, <laughs> that's me giving advice and then saying it's not advice. That's what I would tell to you. So, well, this was a long one. Not going to be this long in the future. My voice is about fried. We're pushing an hour. So, yeah, hit me up on Twitter at RustyRam78. Let me know what you think about this one. And I wanted to give you a little bit longer of an episode because I made you wait. And really just bring things home. And as you can hear, the peewee music playing now. You know, I love you guys. I really do thank you for stopping on by joining me once again i'll be here next week i will probably piggyback harris's interview with me on the end of it and be good to yourself man do that thing what's that thing that you're afraid to take that risk on and if you were 85 would you or would you not regret doing that thing i'll see you next week so long everybody (laughs) 